everyone, this is Emily from The Female Abroad, and you are listening to the Incurable Wonderlusts podcast, which offers tips, tricks, and trips to help make you a more confident and knowledgeable traveler. Here we provide and discuss firsthand knowledge from our trips to make sure your trip planning is easier. Be sure to follow so you can find this podcast when you really need it and visit thefemaleabroad.com for podcast transcripts, our social media links, and more information that can help you with all your travel planning. Oh, jet lag. The horrible side effect of travel. I'm on the west coast of Canada, so unless you're in Hawaii, there's really no further time zone. Due to this, no matter the trip, I suffer from jet lag, and luckily I've gained a few tricks to help me get over this uncomfortable rough patch. If you've never traveled, or have not traveled far enough, then you might not know what jet lag is. Jet lag is when your body suffers from any of the following symptoms due to a time change. Headache or migraine, fatigue, insomnia, exhaustion, difficulty staying awake or staying asleep, difficulty concentrating or remembering, mood swings, lack of appetite or overeating depending on how your body handles lack of sleep, gastrointestinal conditions like constipation and diarrhea, or mild anxiety. The further east you go, the worse jet lag gets as the time change can jump from several hours to a day if you cross the international dateline. For example, I'm in BC, so if I travel to Ontario, New York, or Florida, that time change is three hours, which really is not much. But if I head to the UK, that's eight hours, which really makes you feel unprepared if you've not prepared for jet lag. My first trip to Europe was Ireland. We arrived in the early evening, so we went to bed. Then the next day, we had to be up early for a wedding. We stayed up late, drinking heavily, then crashed hard the next afternoon. I did try to sleep on the plane as our transit was 20 hours, and I did fall asleep, but it was only for 10 minutes on the flight from Frankfurt to Dublin, and I woke up because I thought the plane was about to crash. However, it turned out we hadn't even left the tarmac yet. So needless to say, I was wide awake for the rest of the trip. When I came home, I had three days off, so I slept when I was tired and stayed awake when I was awake. However, this really messed up my sleep schedule for the next couple of weeks. When I went to the Czech Republic, I only had 10 days, so I left straight from work to the airport, did my best to sleep on the plane. Then when we landed, we dropped everything off at the hotel, went out for dinner, and then went to bed during the nighttime. At 1am, I was woken up when our lost luggage was finally delivered to the hotel, and then I was wide awake at 6am. For the first few days, we spent all our time outside before we traveled to another town for a wedding. We were doing pretty good until we decided to show that us Canadians can hold our liquor against the Czechs. That night resulted in horrible hangovers, me getting lost in a nightclub that was at the winery, and the father-in-law being in such rough shape, he couldn't pick up the bouquets the next day for the wedding. Oh, what you do when you're young, but... That's the story for an entirely another time. When we landed after the trip, I had to work the next day, so I went straight back into my normal routine. Sure, the first day was hard, but by the second day, my body was back into the normal routine. I have noticed, however, that as you get older, the jet lag hits you harder. Plus, if you take a trip like the next one that I mentioned, where you travel west and cross the international dateline, meaning you lose a day, it really messes you up. Traveling from Vancouver to Ho Ho Chi Minh, formerly Saigon, I had to cross the international dateline. So besides traveling a few hours forward in time, I traveled an entire day ahead. 
I landed in Vietnam at 1 a.m. local time and then had to deal with a bunch of scam artists. But as I was still on my home time, I was able to sort everything out and get to my hotel safely. Then the local traffic woke me up at 8 a.m. before my alarm did. If you've ever been to the city, then you know what I'm talking about. If you have not, then I suggest checking out my YouTube as I filmed some of it. As a general rule of thumb, however, for each hour in time you increase or time zone, then it'll take that number of days to get over it. So if you jump ahead three time zones or three hours, it'll take you three days. If you jump ahead five time zones, then five days. Now, the question of how do you beat jet lag is a constant debate, with typical responses being drink lots of water, skip the caffeine and sugar, eat during your usual meal times, stay awake during the day, sleep at night, take melatonin, keep your sleeping space comfortable, sleep on the plane. While these might be great ideas, I'm not a fan of packing a fan to help me sleep comfortably. Melatonin doesn't work for me. I can't sleep on a plane and I don't drink coffee, so most of these actually won't work for me. However, after some trial and error, as well as years of travel, I've come up with the following 10 things that work for me and my husband. One, when the lights go off in the cabin of the plane, close your eyes and relax. I'm not someone who sleeps on the plane, but at least closing my eyes and listening to relaxing music will help my body relax and slowly re-energize. Another good option is to use noise cancelling headphones. And while they can be expensive, we've actually purchased a few sets in our travels. When we're at an airport, we'll go and check out the electronic store, and either because of the currency exchange or maybe a clearance sale, we've been able to purchase both Bose and JBL noise-canceling headphones for at least half the price it would cost us at home. Before we found this trick, however, I would travel with Skull Candy earbuds because I find that the earbuds that fit inside of your ear canal cancel out noise better than those that just sit at the opening of your ears. Two, bring water on the plane. Make sure to pack a refillable water bottle that you refill just after customs and buy the largest bottle of water you can while in the airport. You should be drinking at least eight ounces of water per hour of being in the air as per the Aerospace Medical Association. And if you can drink more than that, then drink more. If you're not sure how much water that is, a shot glass holds one ounce. So eight of those would be eight ounces, which is not much if you really think about it. Usually we'll bring two of the 1.5 liter Evian bottles on board because they are always two for a dollar for some reason at the airport. Once you're on board, however, and it's drink time, we'll stay away from the coffee and tea and only drink water if it comes from a branded bottle. The reason for this is because you never know the last time the airplane's water tanks were cleaned. Three, drink tomato juice while on the plane. I know, I know, tomato juice is gross. However, on an airplane, it just hits differently. Due to the air pressure change, everything tastes different, which is why your airplane food either tastes like nothing or it's overly salted. They need that salt so that you can get taste from the meal. Well, the same with tomato juice. I don't drink tomato juice on the ground, and I even hate Bloody Marys, but in the air, it's similar to drinking V8, but milder with a less tomato flavor. Because of this, I also find it rehydrates me. Now, my husband will drink beer to help him sleep or pop if he needs to stay awake, and most people will tell you to stay awake from alcohol or caffeine, as it only makes jet lag worse but we've yet to find that true. After all, 
what's more important, sleeping on a plane or not sleeping on a plane if it comes to the difference of just drinking one beer? What about staying awake? Who cares if sugar gives you that little bit of oomph if you only have two hours left on your flight? Four, pack an energizing and sleeping tea. I'm sure to bring a tea with me that does not have any seeds as I would have to claim it and possibly throw it out when I get through customs, so I skip most herbal teas. I usually bring some form of matcha or a green tea, so in the mornings I get that extra pep in my step, and then a sleepy time tea for the evenings. Five, set up for your new time zone. If I can, I'll slowly adjust my schedule by an hour or two a week leading up to the trip, so it helps give me a little bit of a head start on the change. As soon as I get through customs, I'll also change my clocks to the time and the location where I'm going to land. Your airplane tickets are in local time, so having your watch or clock set in that time helps to tell your body that you're in the quote-unquote real time, so then you can start tricking your mind. When I do reach my new time zone, if I'm going to bed, then I'll make sure to sleep the first few nights with the blinds open, so the natural light can help reset my circadian rhythm. If I'm going to bed where it's noisy, then I'll use earplugs to make sure I at least get a sound sleep the first night. A lot of people will tell you to use an eye shade as well, but if you do, then you won't wake up to the natural light will still keep your system off. Also, if you use a nightshade while on the plane, they'll skip you when it comes to drink service and breakfast, both of which can help reset your system. Six, replicate your routine. If you go to bed at 9 p.m., go to bed at 9 p.m. in your new time zone. If you get up at 6 a.m., then wake up at 6 a.m. in your new time zone. If you still feel tired when you wake up, then spend a bit of time looking at your clock. I know this sounds stupid or crazy, but if you can physically see what time it is, eventually your brain will start to realize what time it is and not what time it thinks it is. If you're on a plane and you're supposed to sleep, then do your best to close your eyes and do nothing. If you have to do something, then try a self-massage of your hands or your face or even a relaxing podcast. Seven, pack boring or trivial activities. If you pack the same word search or a book you've already read, then when you finally get bored, you'll typically want to sleep because there's nothing better to do. While flying, this is what I do. I've packed the same word search for the last 15 years on my flights because I get so bored, I'll just give up. I also pack a physical book and not one on my phone or tablet as it causes me to start to feel tired. When I'm tired, I'll pop on my headphones and listen to relaxing music with my eyes closed. If I'm exhausted or I know that no drinks will be coming, then I'll put on my eye shade or pull my hoodie down over my eyes. Eight, don't get sick. I'll pack some disinfectant wipes and wipe down my area as I found sleeping with my arms and head on the lap table more comfortable than using a neck pillow. I'll also adjust the air thing in the roof to blow on me so I don't have to worry about the people around me getting sick by coughing. Another thing I read that frequent flyers do is put polysporin up their nose on a Q-tip to keep the nasal passages moist and kill anything that you breathe in. I'll admit, I've done this a couple times, but all you smell is polysporin, so I'll pack some on Q-tips with me and I'll use it only if my nose starts to dry out. Nine, exercise. When I landed in Hong Kong, I had a three-hour layover and all I wanted to do was sleep. In the area of the airport I was in, there was only four shops, two restaurants, and a coffee shop, 
So I decided to walk from one end of the airport to the other. I have no idea how many times I did this, but I did it as many times as it took. When there was no one smoking on the smoking decks that were at each end, I would step outside and get some fresh air. If I needed to get somewhere for the first few days, I walked instead of taking transit. 10. Book a red eye. If you fly at night, there's a good chance you will arrive in your destination during the day. These flights are also usually cheaper than other flights throughout the day as they're not as popular. I tend to prefer them as I try my hardest to sleep or at least rest during the flight so then when I get to my destination, I can leave my luggage at the front desk and then hunt out a place to eat or I'll see if there's a strawberry tours with a free walking tour of the area. The reason why I like these free tours is because if I go, I go, and if I don't, I don't. They're also a great way to get the bearings of the area, but there have also been a few times that I've taken them and left partway through because I just cannot stay awake anymore, so I need a change of things to do. Now that we've gone over the 10 tips, what are some things that you shouldn't do? Well, do not use a sleep sedative. If for any reason your plane goes down, the flight crew will leave you in your seat and not save you. If they were to drag out every sleeping person from the plane, no one would make it out. Don't sleep when you're tired if you land during the day. Sure, you could take a nap, but nothing longer than 30 minutes. If you'll sleep for longer than that, do not lay down. Don't allow yourself to be bored for the first few days. While you are getting used to your time zone, make sure to get out and do things. Fresh air, light, walking, these will help you stay awake until it's time to go to bed. Don't allow yourself to continue being on the old time zone. The more you're able to stick to a routine, no matter the time zone you're in, the faster you'll get used to the change. Don't feel bad if you call it an early night. Sure, maybe you're traveling during the fall when the sun sets at 6 p.m., but you usually don't go to bed until 10, or maybe it's 8 p.m. and you just cannot stay awake for those extra two hours until you head to bed. Now, if it's 1 p.m. and you're headed to bed for something more than a nap, then you need to force yourself to stay awake. But if this is a quote-unquote nighttime or dark due to the season, then just head to bed. Make sure, however, to set alarms so you do not sleep forever the next day, as this can make your jet lag worse. So how do you use your time zone again after traveling? The easiest way i found to get used to your time zone again is to get right back into your routine. Now, I've done trips where I've landed at 2 a.m. and had to get to work less than six hours later, but I usually end up sick within a day or two because of my lowered immune system due to the lack of sleep. So I usually start work again the day after landing. This gives me 24 hours to unpack and prep for work. It also allows me to go to bed at my usual time to get up my usual start time during the day. It also gives myself a day to get back into the swing of things too. Then I find trying to keep my usual routine becomes less difficult. Now that we've gone over the 10 things that you should do and what you should do to get used to your regular time zone again and things not to do, I think this is a great place to stop the podcast, but make sure to tune in next week. Safe travels. Thank you for listening to the Incurable Wonderlust podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode as well as to make it easy so you can find us when booking your next trip. If you can, recommend the Incurable Wonderlust and the Female Abroad to those that you travel with.
feel free to leave us a rating and review. And if there are any topics that you're interested in learning more about or want to hear about, then make sure to include them. Also, do not forget to visit thefemaleabroad.com for helpful tips, tricks, and trips to help you on your next vacation. Are you also interested in booking your own trip, but you don't know where to start? Then check out our travel planning services. The Incurable Wonderlust has new episodes released every three weeks. So thanks again for listening, and until you tune in again, safe travels!